Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host, Brian. Before we get to this week's episode, the answer to last week's music trivia question was, of course, Slash. Slash was the famous guitarist who found his mother in bed with David Bowie. Slash's mother was a costume designer with rock and roll clients like David Bowie, whom she dated. Slash says that awkwardness aside, he really liked David Bowie and thought he was really cool. Now for this week's music trivia question. Which famous rock band started off as a tribute act to British rock band The Zombies? And we've got another five star review. Great idea and execution. Concerts are one of my favourite things in the world. I love attending them and I love hearing about them. With this show I get to hear the actual experiences fans have with my favourite artists. And artists I haven't heard. The host does a great job engaging with the guests and formatting the show. This review was left on iTunes by Bill from The Way Podcast. So thanks Bill, and don't forget, your 5 star reviews will be read out on the show. Now on to this week's episode. My guest is Aaron Black from Scorpion Child. I was looking forward to doing this one for a long, long time. They've got some excellent music and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. So... Without further ado, let's get on with the show.
AR and you're very welcome to concerts that made us. Oh yeah. Thank you for having me. No problem. I'm delighted to get you on. I, uh, I remember the first time I heard you guys, a fan of the show actually sent me a link and I listened to one of your tracks and I thought to myself, there's no way I can get these on the show. This is some like legendary band from the seventies, like Led Zeppelin or something. How am I going to track these guys down? But when I looked you guys up and seen that you're a modern ish band, I was shocked, you know? Wow. That's, that's very, that's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, before we get to the band, we'll, we'll chat a bit about your history. Do you remember if you can, what was your very first musical memory? I mean, it probably would have been Michael Jackson or Prince. Really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had a, I had a book that had all the moves that Michael Jackson does, <laughs> right. you know, like it had like the moonwalk and, you know, his like various shuffles. I'm sure a lot of those moves he kind of got from James Brown, you know, but I, I didn't know that. So he was a popular thing at the time. So I had this book and I would just like flip through this book, like, you know, wow, you know, like <laughs> all this cool stuff this yeah. guy can do. And yeah, he was kind of like my, definitely my introduction to to music and then i think yeah prince was very soon after my first concert that i remember would have been prince and the b-52s oh man that's no that's an introduction yeah it was like an outdoor thing i think prince was doing the purple rain tour oh. for that i still have a shirt from that tour yeah you know i can't really wear it because it's gonna fall off it fits <laughs> Right, right. I mean, so I should probably frame that or yeah, something. Soon. Yeah, definitely, especially a Prince concert. Jeez. So those were my earliest memories of music. It's not not quite what I expected. What fair enough, Prince? Yes, but uh, Michael Jackson, he's kind of a lot different from your style of music. Oh, I mean, I still watch. You know, I still get the like you know my my skin crawls when i see performances of him <laughs> in his prime like how does this kid how could he how could he keep up that that energy and those movements and that choreography while yeah i mean it's it still outdoes anything you see today yeah yeah he's one of them people that uh Every so often, one person comes along and they totally revolutionize everything and there'll never be anything like him again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I kind of feel I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, do you remember when you first decided you wanted to be a musician? I don't know if I decided that or if it was just decided for me by some, you know, astral being or something i was uh, i was the first time i tried my hand in music it was interesting it was in early or i guess it would have been in junior high mm, yeah it would have been like late elementary or junior high maybe seventh seventh grade there was a there's a couple of my friends that were like jamming playing in a band listening to the grateful dead you know and, mm. And I was already listening to heavy metal and stuff like that. So I came over and like did 
you know, some like, some like, you know, some, and they were like, whoa, that's not what we're doing, but that's cool. And then I remember they got kind of converted. And then I got into later, later junior high and I met some other kids that were shittier musicians than they were. Mm. And I was like, these are my guys. And we played just punk rock, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty punk. Yeah. So that was really fun because that was a lot of energy there. And then we just kind of started to develop together in high school, like close to the same group of guys. You know, we just started, you know, finding out, whoa, I can like, you know, like I can do this and I can do that now. I really early on, it was not, I was not singing. I was like, yeah, yeah. Just being as heavy and hardcore like it was it was hardcore music and like that's what i was playing in high school like i always knew i could sing or you know like i always knew i had an acceptable voice but it was never what i was really into i mean still not what i'm really into i mean i still love that really screamy really intense stuff i either like that or i like goth you know so it's like i mean i love the classic obviously i love cl- classic rock and you know you know Br- british heavy metal style like you know mm. classic stuff but and then german kraut and stuff like that and prog yeah. rock and you know but you know i go like i always keep things like in the rotate you know i keep all this stuff in the rotation because there's so much different and you know so many different kinds of music that you know influence me that that, that none of them really go away you yeah know? yeah like every once in a great while I'll throw in that, you know, late nineties Jimmy world record and be like, yes, yeah, it's kind of all right. Yeah. But you know, like it's funny, yeah. I'm actually starting like a like a hardcore band with a friend of mine right. who was in a bunch of hardcore bands back in the day too. And we're like old guy older guys now <laughs> doing that. I'm gonna wear like a basketball jersey and like some chains and you know like like some like you know so hard it's gonna be fun just for fun you know we're gonna make cassettes we're gonna give we're gonna we're gonna hand them out to people you know that never left me so I guess it was a different take for me when I hear people say oh you know Scorpion Child it was like hearing you know something that sounds like zeppelin or something that sounds like judas priest i'm always like <gasps> you know oh my god like mm-hmm. that's that's not even what i was raised on you know yeah like yeah. i had a cousin that was listening to pink floyd and he's like he had one of those first di- early disc commands where if you look at it wrong it skips you know <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and like you know it looked like a little turntable it had like a little glass thing and you put the cd on there i was like blown i was like looking at it like and I remember that that's when I first heard Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. And, oh, yeah, yeah, he had Sabbath. Uh, he had uh, Masters of Reality, too, oh, on man. CD. But CDs were like, these CD players, these little early, like, disc man CD players were like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I don't know how, how, many, how many quid they would be, like, or how many uh, euro. You guys are euro, right? Euro, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how many euro that would be, but probably hundreds of dollars. Definitely. In your hundreds of euro. 
but yeah, he would get mad if I would like touch it. He'd be like, <laughs> let me do this. You know, you just put on the headphones. I remember hearing CDs with such clarity. Mm. Like it was crazy to hear music that didn't have crackles. Yeah. yeah and you know, obviously exactly. years yeah. later you miss the crackle and you come back, you always come back to the crackle. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird though nowadays that people have gone back to vinyl then, isn't it? I, you know, honestly, I don't think it's that weird. And I'll tell you why, because, you know, all through the early nineties, you know, I was buying, you know, being into punk and hardcore and, and, you know, metal music, I was like digging through, you know, we, they were still making vinyl, even when it wasn't cool. So I've been collecting it since I was a little kid, you know, cause think yeah. about it. Vinyl was the medium that we had to listen to when I was in the eighties, when I was a little kid and then it went away and gave way to CDs, but I was still listening to stuff that was like pressing vinyl, you know? Mm. So, and I still have those records. I never got rid of those records either. So for me, it was like, I never really stopped collecting vinyl and cassettes and, you know, yeah, yeah. other various medium. Um, but I mean, I've got, I have some CDs, but I don't have, you know as many nearly as many cds yeah but i mean i i respect the sound quality i just don't they just haven't made the cd players like they made them in the beginning they started to make them cheap and they just didn't have the same effect you know yeah you're totally right but yeah and they just become coasters or like you know <laughs> cocaine like you know yeah. for you know, things you know it it just it doesn't there truly is a great sound quality mm. you know encapsulated in this digital disc but it's just a different kind of listen True. i like to hear the warm tones and stuff that you can hear on tape and vinyl and stuff like that that you just really don't hear on cd like those imperfections are i think important but yeah vinyl did make a comeback and like to me, I just all oh, that's what I primarily always had. Like mm. I had the most of that. So yes, for forty years I've been lugging around a crate of you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's more crates yeah. as time goes on, you know. So it's it's <laughs> like we just uh, you know I was telling you we just bought a house. So I'm hoping that this is the last time, even though I know it won't be, that I have to move. Right. 46 right. fucking crates of records oh man are you serious <laughs> so i need to sell so i do i do these pop-up markets here you know where, where vendors come and buy sell and trade their yeah. their items and stuff so i sell vinyl i try to get as rid of stuff that i don't listen to and you know at a reasonable price you know mm. Um, and, and old t-shirts and stuff that I don't wear, you know, stuff like that. So there's, it's really cool things that, that people sell. So I just, I just keep it simple. I just sell music related things. Cause I, I acquire so much of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Over time. And, you know, a lot of those things I hold on to, you know, like that old Bauhaus or sister's mercy shirt. Like, I'm not going to get rid of that, you know? Yeah. No, you'd be crazy to. 1990 skinny puppy shirt like that'd be stupid to get rid of that stuff yeah. you know yeah. so I, I hang on to like certain certain things you know because i'll never not like it you yeah know, it's always gonna be you know or that old print that print shirt since i was five you know mm. like that's 
never going to, unless somebody steals it, <laughs> it's never going anywhere, even if I'm not wearing it. But there's other things that I give or take, you know. Yeah. Is there a record that's your prized possession then that you'd never, ever get rid of? Like one single record? Hmm. Oh, man, there's this, there's this record that I have an original pressing of by an artist named Jackson C. Frank. Right. He was a folk guy. And that record saved my life like he, on several different occasions. It's called Blues Run the Game. Hmm. And it's like, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what it's worth because hmm. it's, it's, it's worth a lot. I know that much, but that particular record, it's not about the monetary value of that record. It's about how like it's, it's so depressing. Really? And I love depressing music. <laughs> right, it's right. real sad. And he was like the folk singers, folk singer, you know, he was like the guy that Paul Simon, you know, listened to and hmm. Bird Josh, like all these, like he was like, he was from Buffalo, New York and he came over to england and lived there like in his early 20s and like launched this like european folk revolution that all these guys like if there's this video of him like playing there's one video and it's like 15 second clip of him sitting there just playing by himself and it sounds and and you see all these famous people like in the audience and there there are only 15 people in the audience and they're all like people that went on to like become massive themselves yeah 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 and it's that guy is one guy that can write a song more powerful than most bands you know as far as that's probably one record i wouldn't give up you know, I mean, there's like, oh shit. I mean, there's so many different styles, and there's records for each style. You know, that that are irreplaceable, or you know, there are records that if that are worth buying a new copy when the new pressing comes out, so you don't have to play the older one. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. And mess up the older one. You know, so that's <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> so, um, how did you jump from? Been into punk rock and hardcore to creating a band like Scorpion Child and finding that sound. Um, it's interesting because I was like, all right, I've been I've sang for a hardcore band and a punk band, and you know, I just wanted to honestly, it was 2006, and Asa, who's in the band with me, him and I started the band in 2006 when we were like in our 20s. And we were listening to like, you know, everything from like Love by the Cult, mm. uh, like Fields as a Nephilim. And we were also listening to like Judas Priest and the Scorpions. And it was like we wanted to mesh it all together. But the thing is, is like the goth side of it wasn't really happening at the time, at least in Austin in the area that we, you know, the amongst the people that we knew. So, and the goth is like derived from more of like a death punk, like more like a death rock thing and like more of a punk thing. So, but there were rock bands coming up, you know, doing like the MC5 Stooges kind of stuff, which I mean, that's like also kind of derived from like punk and yeah, yeah, you know, and 
And so we were listening to that and cactus. And I mean, I still love all that shit, you know? So we, we went that route first mm. and it wasn't really until like, we just, we just kind of brought the, you know, reunited the band after, you know, I mean, really since 2016. And I feel like now's the time in 2016, we were kind of doing this, like, we'd achieved this like deep purple kind of vibe, you know, we were doing yeah. that, but I was starting to, to want to bring some of that, you know, those chorus guitars back in and, you know, just bring some of that, some of that element back into the music. And then the band kind of split up and we didn't even really do a proper tour. We did our last tour with uncle acid and the deadbeats across Europe. And I was already wanting to, the stuff that we were going to create was going to transition back into this like almost like heavy goth wave stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the band kind of just like fell apart. (laughs) But when we restarted it, we were like, now let's seek out people that understand this kind of music. Mm. You know what I mean? So that we can do what we've been doing and merge it with what we have always wanted to do as well you know so we're going back to the beginning almost almost before the beginning of the band and re revisiting it all together so knowing what we've accomplished versus what we have wanted to explore with this band i mean obviously we're not going to be like a techno group or we're not going to be like (laughs) (laughs) acid free jazz kind of band but we're we're you know, we would just change the name if that's what we wanted to do. Mm. But as long as it's Scorpion Child, there's still stuff that we, we we came back to explore the other side. Mm. Does yeah. that make sense? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, it's just going to be like we're going to be. I'm going to be. We're we're going to essentially be creating something that we don't hear very often, mm. which is the goal when you play music. You're like, oh man, you know. Like there's bands like actually our drummer played in the beginnings of this band called Tribulation. Yeah, they're from Sweden. He's actually Swedish. He's from Sweden and has a band, and had another band called Enforcer with his brother who also played in Tribulation. Yeah. So he lives here in Austin, Jonas. So he plays drums for me now, and they're like the close. To, they're kind of like black metal with a like a darker dark wave kind of thing going so that's really cool so he understands that and we've just wanted to bring people in that want to do like the punk and the hardcore element of of me is never left you know i mean it was always in scorpion child like i don't perform like ian gillen or robert plant as far as what I see that I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to me, the way I feel music is a little more like, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and whether we're playing, whether I'm doing this or doing that, you know? Hmm. So I think that, you know, that's just how I know. That's how I know how to feel music. So, you know, even if I was playing funk, I would probably approach it from a punk yeah yeah and you know or i just this is what i know it's just where i came from but i developed 
I developed some of these more, I guess, rock and roll traits mm. naturally as I explored the music over yeah. the years. So yeah. it's been fun. I mean, I just love the theatrics. I love performing, you know. Mm. It's all a part of it. Yeah, whatever the music kind of like tells you to do is what you do. And it's it's going to be through this young punk filter i guess you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly when you formed in 2006 you clearly had a vision was it hard to find like-minded people and convey your message to them you know to join the band and get get everyone on the same vision in austin no it wasn't really because i was doing like I was doing a band. I actually lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota before that. And I had a band that was a darker, like progressive metal thing, you know, mm. not like, I guess not like Meshuggah, mm. like somewhere between, I guess, the Meshuggah and like Rush <laughs> or something, you know, it was like, I, I don't know. But that was a really unique i still listen to that band today and i was like man that is some unique stuff that we were doing like what what the hell were we even doing so <laughs> going from that band yeah go, like i got out of that play it was really cold there and so i left mm. and when i came to austin i immediately you know i was like wearing cowboy boots in minnesota you know sliding yeah. around on the ice you know and in, in, in the middle of winter and it just didn't work out very well but when i came to austin you know like everybody was wearing cowboy boots mm. so it was easy for me to look and be like hey you play music and that's how i found asa which was interesting because he was like this dude that just like i mean he he just like he looked like he was in the allman brothers you know he was probably 29 or so and i was like man this guy's a sweet looking dude and he happened to play guitar it's funny because he still looks the same today really like he's like he found the fountain of youth you know he well he <laughs> always looked like a grown almond brother guy you know hmm. so yeah i met him and we just started playing acoustic and i was exploring this other side because all we i had brought just my acoustic guitar and he had he didn't even have an electric guitar at the time he had an acoustic guitar mm. and we just sat around late at night and you know you know did things to stay up late and like played music and in front of a bunch of like hippie kids that were sitting around us and it was kind of like zeppelin three kind of stuff what came out you know oh man yeah yeah you know just real acoustic real real minimal and then we started kind of playing shows and then we're like, well, you know, we need a band. <laughs> like we need to like, I was like, I want to hear what you sound like electric, you know? So mm. we, he bought a guitar and we bought an amplifier and stuff like that. And then a drummer came over and hung out and like my buddy, Eric was like, yeah, I play bass. You know, he played in bass in some bands, Sparta from El Paso. That it was like guys from at the drive-in were in that band and, you know, so he knew music, you know, and it's funny. So he joined the band and then we played our first show out of state in Denver and we yeah. got billed higher because he was in that band. <laughs> oh, man. So he was in some band that was popular. Mm. So we had like all this pressure on us to be good. 
Oh, geez. <laughs> and <laughs> and how we did started it go? playing, yeah. I think we did a couple, like, we did, like, an, we did, like, an MC5 cover. We, we did some covers, you know? Mm. We did, like, a Blue Cheer cover, you know, because that's what people were doing back then. Yeah. They weren't doing, you know, yeah, they didn't sound like ministry. They sounded like the people around us, you know, they were kind of doing the, the vintage rock thing. And then, but that also gets carried away, you know, because when you're, when you want to play stuff that sounds classic, you suddenly run into this weird, like, dichotomy where you're like, all right, you know, you're, I want to exist in, in this realm, but it's throwback. It's like, they have all these names for it. It's like vintage rock or it's like, it's like, no, that's not what I want. <laughs> you know, you get lumped in with the, these, this this vintage throwback rock sound yeah. and i get it i mean you know it is what it is but i guess i'm always like exploring trying to explore new things or th- throw new elements of it in there because i didn't grow up yeah. on that you know mm. when i was a teenager it wasn't led zeppelin for me yeah yeah and it wasn't even black sabbath for me i mean i knew about that when i was young and then way older but in that middle, when I was really exploring music, it was like gangster rap, you know, the Beastie Boys got me into punk rock. And that's the band that I first heard that was punk rock and then Bad Brains and Black Flag. And, you mm. know, obviously, and from there it was like crass and, you know, discharge and, yeah, you know, oh, geez. But yeah, I mean, when you grow, when, when you, when you're young, you know, you hear Thin Lizzy on the radio all the time, you hear, you know, <laughs> yeah, you hear, true. you hear the classics, you know, and, but, but, but it wasn't really what propelled me into music. So when, when people are like, oh man, it's like the, it's like the next coming of these bands. It's like, well, that's not really what we're as bands trying to necessarily convey. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to follow someone else's footsteps. You want to carve your own. Like Scorpion Child is never going to be the Scorpions, you know. We mm. we strive to be that tight and that good. Yeah. Um, when we got me in, you know, those early Scorpions records are just mind blowing. But yeah. you know, we, we in Judas Priest and stuff like that. We, God, we love that, but it's not what. We're not necessarily trying to just do that, you know. We're trying to do a lot of different things and make cool stuff that, you know, will connect. Yeah, you know, yeah. In, into the new world, you know, into the future, as you were saying, you know. So exactly, exactly. Do you think it's uh, when you're lumped into that vintage rock and stuff like that? Do you think it's hard almost to be taken seriously as a band? I feel like it is. Hmm. I feel like it is. I mean, you know, and I don't really say that from a pretentious standpoint, but I say that from like, I know that there's a lot of music out there and we were part of a wave of bands that were being, you know, lumped in with that. I don't know how other bands feel. Maybe some bands are like sweet, you know, and that's what we want. That's what we, but I'm always just looking for something else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always wanting to incorporate. I've always been this way. It's like my attention span to certain things only lasts for so long. Mm. But I do have the understanding and the maturity to know that, man, be careful with that, Aaron. 
you know, there's a fan base and you want to like, you want to expand on that fan base, but you don't want to like alienate them. Cause yeah. I mean, if it were up to me, man, I would just, you know, like next album's going to sound like Neubauten or, you know, some <laughs> weird, you know, noise like the, 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 you know, something completely off the wall. Mm. You know, if, if I wasn't careful with that sort of thing. Um, cause I still enjoy what it is that the band, the foundation that the band started on. I just want to expand it, but, but as an artist, you also have to like, you know, I, I guess that's what I want to call say, stay, you know, you have to expect that there's going to be the need for growth. And at the same time, you know, be able to maintain the integrity of, of what, of you need don't forget your roots you know yeah. and our roots for the yeah. scorpion child was like you know we're a rock and roll band you know we're not that's our genre yeah yeah exactly you know? but it is a it's a fine line though you know as you said you don't want to alienate fans but you you have this need to grow as a musician you know and it's it's hard to stay in the confines of your style of music and keep the fans happy it is because, I mean, I don't want to make, I have zero interest making the same record over and over again. Like repeating, rent, rinse, repeat, you know, like it's not, it, it, I don't understand that. I don't have an understanding for that. Our first two records that we did with Nuclear Blast were close enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, that's as close as I ever want to get to making the same record. <laughs> right, right. So album number three has got to be, or else why am I doing this? Mm. It's got to be, it, ha, it has absolutely with a hundred percent certainty take some sort of unique new direction for my interest as a writer. Mm. And for these guys, you know, for their investment in the band, you know, they want to put their, you know, we have a couple of new guys that haven't been in the band. We've got three guys yeah, on the record that have not, that, and that's another hard thing fans i I remember it was really difficult when we first got signed onto the label and they blast out a bunch of photos of the band and put them everywhere and you know that's the band that the fans Mm. got into first but immediately within months following the release of that album we were touring with different members and fans were even like, oh, my God, like, I can't handle this. <laughs> I was so attached to this person and yeah. that person. You know, what? what's happening here to my band? That's mm. what they're saying. Yeah. And yeah. we're saying in life, not everybody is like Geezer Butler, Tony Iommi, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, Bill Ward is going to be the same lineup for the first 30, you know, it's for 20 years, you know, it's not for yeah. yeah. Zeppelin. I mean, they never change. They were always the same guys pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. you know, since the Yardbirds. So, I mean, I feel like, well, we've gone, shit, I must be hard to be in a band with because <laughs> we've had like nine or 10 former members, you know, um. <laughs> but, uh, some of that has to do with, you know, so-and-so had a kid or someone, you know, needed to start their career and, you know, another person, you know, mm. hated, hated me or, you know, another person, you know, it's there for various reasons Yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. people come and go from the band 
it's illness too. It's been illness. I mean, it's been just different things that have created that. We I was we were just unlucky in that sense, but it worked yeah. out. You know, we made it happen. You know. Yeah. And maybe we had to had to break up a couple times, but we made it happen. You know. <laughs> yeah. In that respect, then would you say you're a hired man to work with when it comes to music? Um, I don't think so. In the scheme of you know, people that I've read, read about and watched, you know, behind the music documentaries on, you know, like I see some of these guys and I'm like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> like how, how do these guys get up in the morning? You know, mm. how do the guys around these guys get up in the morning? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I may have been difficult or opinionated about certain things, but I think if I wasn't that way, this you know, this wouldn't have, you know, the vision could have veered one way yeah. or the other, but I'm, but that's but coming, going, touching on that as well. Like I've always wanted it to be like somewhat of a democratic process, but now since I'm, I'm the only constant member that's been in the band since 2006, 2007 to present, you know, the, whenever these guys i have i i surround myself with like very creative and very talented individuals um and have always you know stopped at nothing to find these you know similar these similar like-minded people you know people much more talented than i mm. you know, makes me more creative and when they come up with you know when these insanely talented guys come up with these cool ideas they look at me like is this you know like a, you know our fearless leader aaron is this you know <laughs> this does this okay? sound like a child and you know like I, I th it's just it's an amazing feeling to be able to make music with people that like, I don't have to be, it can be a democracy. I don't have to be this Nazi guy, you know, leader of the band guy, you know, who's mm. just a total prick and it's his way or the highway. That's not the way that I behave. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether it's taken that way or not, well, I mean, it's there it doesn't like it. It's, I don't want it to be like that. Mm. And so I think with this band, it's important for me to like allow each person to be able to express themselves and what they want to do. But they, they, I think with these, you know, the newer members of the band, they understand that there is a legacy of some sort in this band that has a sound and they, they're mature musicians and they recognize that. And it's not about me. It's not about them. It's about what we're doing together, you know, yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. I'm just the I'm just the constant member that they look at to be like in my eyes. This is who I am. You know, the guy that's been there all along. So I guess I kind of have to sign off on whether that's be acceptable. But then there's like label partners that have to sign off on that overall creation. And then you know, I mean, there's always it's there's so many different levels to it so many different levels yeah that you have to kind of adhere to when you're writing music on on a level that's higher than a garage and a local pub gig you know yeah true true if you want to tour do all that stuff you have to answer to so many different 
opinions and it's not just me it's not you know it's yeah it's a greater thing <laughs> that's something a lot of people don't realize as well when it comes to bands you know they just think oh you go on the road you get successful the book ends with you but there's investors there's record labels there's so many people you have to please when you're in the band i suppose and i guess that's where my difficulty comes in really is i'm not always willing to just do what some the, the these people you know what i mean like i try to fight for my guys and what we want to sound like in our identity and sometimes money and identity doesn't yeah go yeah. like you know what i mean like we we've had to compromise as much as i'm willing to compromise does if that makes sense yeah yeah I guess and you. that's that's definitely created some problems for me hmm It'd have to sure, you know. But but I mean, I refuse to fucking you know bend over and just take it in the ass, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I've already I've already done you know I've already shown like this is as much flexibility as I have, and it's and it's ruined opportunities for the band. I've seen it. We probably would have been on, you know, we probably would have gone after radio or done a few bigger concerts or things if i didn't stay you know so i don't want to say punk rock but if i would have, you know if i wouldn't have stuck to my you know do these unspoken ethics mm. and been so vocal about you know people having a part and and i get it you know if they're the financier they want to have a say about it but it's like you're financing what like remember what you fell in love with mm. You know, when you first started working with the band, this isn't like a look. I mean, we've had a good relationship with Nuclear Blast as far as I'm aware of. But, you know, we just want to try to communicate who we want to be as a band. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, and this is and I want to be attached to people that are in line with that vision as well. And even with that, there's. It's not just labels. It's lots of people, you know, management that we've had, you know, there's just, it gets blurred, you know, mm. it starts to like when you start to think about it as a business, it takes away from the fun of starting the band, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Like we started thinking of our band as a business before we even had signed a record deal or really, well, we started to, you know, when, once you print up merch and, print up your own cds and book your own tour it's a business you know yeah once you're putting money into it you need to get it back yeah it's not just like fun and games opening up the garage door and playing for the people in the neighborhood you know Mm. for for apple pie and hot dogs i mean it's (laughs) and you know like it's a different uh it becomes a bit when it becomes a business it 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 puts that stress and that for people want to have their hands in it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Even band members, you know, everybody wants, to, wants everybody a wants a piece of something, you know? And, and if the money, you know, like it's interesting because we never made any money. <laughs> really? Bad people that have thought that we were making, you know, we, it, it's the perception that we make money. Mm. you know what i mean it's like oh you played a big festival all of a sudden you guys like i you know can i get a handout you know yeah yeah it's like yeah but after our sound guy and our tour you know after 
everyone gets paid at the end of the day. It's not, you know, mm. not a whole there's lot no of money. Left. Yeah. Jeez. You know. It's a, uh, in that respect, would you say it's worth it? Yeah. This is how it is. I mean, bands look, you know, I think people's perception that don't play music because, oh my God, there's an opportunity. This band's, this band's big or something, which we're not a big band, but they'll see a band on a stage with a lot of people in front of them. They must be making a lot of money. It must be nice to be them. Yeah. It's very difficult to be them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're like slaves. They're like rats in a cage and, you know, a- animals in this overall machine of music. And these people are just these rats and these animals, which that's who we are. Just want to be creative and express ourselves. Yeah, but there's so much more at play, trying yeah, to capitalize so more behind the scenes. Yeah, it's it's how it is with most bands. Mm. You know, most acts have, you know, an entourage of people that want to get their hands in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, those all sound like uh, not very appealing things. But what are the good things or the fun parts that make you want to be in a band? Yeah, see, there we go. Yeah, enough <laughs> negativity. <laughs> it's not even negativity. It's just you got to have an awareness of it when you're. It's realistic. When you're doing what you want to do, hmm. which you know, I wouldn't have restarted this band if it wasn't if 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 I had forgotten those roots. Yeah. If yeah. I'd given up on that foundation, you know, you know, people say like give give giving up on the dream. It's like, well, the dream is just to be able to have a creative outlet at this, you know, yeah, I want to perform. I want to have a creative outlet and there's no one that's going to stop me from doing that. Even COVID hasn't stopped people from doing that. I mean, there's going to be a way to get your music out there, you know, and some you're going to, you might have to have a lot of canceled shows, which is completely understandable, but you know, ultimately we're going to get through this as, as, as as people, Mm. you know, as society is going to get through this. And it's going to be different. Sure, things are always going to change and evolve based on certain circumstances. But you want to keep the excitement, yeah. You know of, of like, why did I do this in the first place? You know, because I felt like it was meaningful to me, and I was connecting with other people. Yeah. You know, when I go to a show, it's like when you go to a show, like I want to watch the band. I want to be captivated and connect with what it is that they're saying, how they sound, mm. you know, or how they're manipulating sound. You know, I want to be able to see, you know, based on their art, you know, it's got to connect with me in some way. If I'm watching like a noise group, you know, turning pedals and screeching yeah. and making noise and beating large metal things against, you know, a saw, saw blade, you know, it, it I could feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand the impact of that just like I can watching, uh, you know, an orchestra. Yeah. It's all about how it makes you feel. We want, we want that feeling. We want that connection. We want to get off in that way, you know? And I feel like that's, there's many instances in the business side of music, like I was saying, that could have, you know, that could have caused me to, to give up on this dream of playing music. Mm. But, you know, it's like you read a good book, you know, you want to finish the book. You don't want to just stop three quarters of the way through. You want to see what happens. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to yeah. see what I can explore in my time, my limited time that I have on this earth. I want to see what I can create with people. Well, you don't want to reach the end and look back and say, geez, I should have done that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if I quit playing music, it, it, like I've quit. We, we stopped in 2016 and I had several other musical projects going on, you know, to satisfy time passing, you know, yeah. to, to create inspiration for me to eventually woodshed and come back around to feeling comfortable with doing this again with, with a few new people. And, you know, it, it, it's for the wrong reasons. If you're not doing it for the love of the creation of it, you're, you got it all wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No one's uh it's not a very good idea to be doing it to get rich anyway. Who, I mean, who's really getting rich? I mean, there's like that five percentile of not even five percent of the musicians that we see are, you know, the, the very small percent have gotten rich. Yeah. Yeah. Like with uh, with Spotify and stuff like that, the amount that they actually pay musicians is pitiful. Yeah. Nuclear Blast handles our Spotify. So I I'm, I don't. You know what I mean? It just it's it gets watered down one more step there. Yeah. So yeah. Spotify, the way I look at Spotify is that's out of my control right now. You know. Um the the way I look at that is I don't use Spotify, but those of the do can discover music. Yeah. It sucks yeah. that it's at the expense of the artists or such a small I hate thinking about that. Because, I mean, I want to smash the computer screen when I think about stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I don't believe it me. Makes me it's, it's negative. There's nothing, you know, you know, Neil Young can can pull off of Spotify and try to shake Joe Rogan. And I understand what's going on right now, and I feel like, the, you know, there's a revolution coming, sure. Yeah, it definitely feels that way anyway. But it's not, it's not just going to be one artist. You know, Neil Young is a very you know, well-accomplished, very prominent artist. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of sad to see that that doesn't even shake the no, Joe Rogan. No, no, I feel like it needs to be, uh, you know, if Drake or Kanye West did it, then people would stop and listen, you know, but I don't think the likes of them would do it. You know, the younger crowd nowadays, I was reading something the other day and anyone under, I think, 20 to 30 is like who's this old guy 30 to 40 is like i didn't even know neil young was on spotify and then 40 to 60 is like geez i didn't even know he was still alive you know it's so funny yeah 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 i'm I'm the old guy now looking at the younger generation (laughs) and shaking my head like oh my god yeah but I remember being the young punk with the mohawk walking around town with my skateboard and old people shrugging and, and shaking their heads, you know, and me being like, fuck you, dude, you know, like, and then the young. so I have to kind of stop myself because I'm still very much a kid. Mm. In many yeah. senses. You know? I don't know. See, here's the, here's the problem. I know what the, the mainstream populace of younger people listen to and you know, into their twenties and thirties, but I really don't, I'm, I feel out of touch and I feel wrong for this, but I right. feel very out of touch with what the 
teenagers are listening to in the underground sense of things mm. like what is underground right now what are they listening to like i should know this <laughs> yeah like i I'd don't be, i'd be similar now as well i wouldn't be up to date on what they're listening to either you know and you're right we should know these things yeah we should know like i should be more aware of this and and actually want to make it a quest of mine to and i was just thinking about this the other day because my lady and I were taking a walk in the neighborhood actually had this very same discussion about how we feel. I mean, you know, my lady's younger than I, like 10 years younger than me. Mm. And she doesn't even know, you know, like we, we don't, we're wondering what the underground is like these days, you know, like we try to go to shows if we can, you know, but Mm. we go to shows of stuff that we're currently into yeah yeah exactly and whether if we're currently into black metal we're going to go to black metal shows if we're current you know like whatever we're kind of listening to if we're listening to noise we'll go to you know seize noise and we, we we like different and you know things we go to the goth bar and listen to you know go see you know goth bands and stuff like that we'll go to you know we'll see punk rock and we'll see all that stuff but like it's all people within like a 10 or 20 year radius of us. It's not the yeah. teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know, like obviously, you know, when you pass by the schoolhouse and the kids are getting out of school and the buses are lining up, you don't want to stare too hard at a bunch <laughs> of young school kids. That's true. So That's you just true. keep driving. But I kind of want to, I, I always look for those red haired teenagers with the typo negative t-shirts and, mm. and the, you know, the baggy pants and the chains and stuff. Like I'm always on the lookout for that. Cause I want to see like what the youth in revolt to the yes. mainstream currently is. Cause that's what I was doing. I was revolting against this vile, you know, mainstream, like when a band in the nineties, you remember when a band would go mainstream? Yeah. We'd be like, fuck those guys. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nirvana was so cool until smells like teen spirit came out yeah yeah but there was part of me even as a young punk that heard smells like teen spirit and i was like i remember that i was like i've never heard anything like this Mm. holy shit yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that was wow and i was like that's kind of cool that that's on a major label you know yeah exactly that's it like to me it didn't matter because like it's cool it sound it sounded refreshing and awesome and i was into you know glam glam rock and still am you know into like 80s you know cock rock stuff i mean you know it it doesn't translate well as far as you know (laughs) a lot you know most of the most of the 80s would be pretty canceled right now because people Uh, are i'd say all of it would be now yeah yeah times have changed Mm. but yeah i always try to keep an eye out to see if i can resonate with any of it you know what i mean because i feel out of touch i feel like that guy i'm not like an old man yet but i'm getting there and i'm (laughs) to the point where i'm like god damn what people are listening to these days yeah i think it's something that happens everyone though in every generation you know you're going to reach that age and you you'll no longer be able to connect with the younger younger generation you know yeah correct it's just a natural progression we'll uh We'll touch on your gigs for a minute. So what would you say was the best gig you've ever played? 
Well, the most monumental for me would have been Hellfest. Oh man! In 2014, hmm. uh, my parents flew from Missouri in the middle of America to France Jeez. and rented a BMW and drove and drove around France and uh, they rented a castle <laughs> for the band to stay in like a small castle. Yeah. And that was so cool. And it was cheap too. It was like the, you know, mm. a couple hundred a night to Jesus. stay in this like castle on a vineyard. And they yeah. cooked for us, had family <laughs> meals it was amazing. And then the Hellfest experience was incredible. We played right on the main stage, right? Blues Pills played on the other main stage. And then we played who we did our first European tour with. Hmm. So we had, we had a lot of, we, you know, we, we ran into a lot of people that we'd, we'd met up to that date of that show. So it was just this big, like, hey, so and so that I've always looked up to. This hmm. is my mom. You know, yeah. this is my yeah. dad, you know, and they're wearing these like tie-dyed scorpion child shirts that they, they <laughs> tie-dyed themselves. Yeah. And, you know, they came back and into catering with us and ate, you know, and mm. it was just such an experience. And like in solitude played right after us on the same stage. And it was just this connection. Of, it was like a really great experience because yeah. i'd never played in yeah. front of like 50 60 000 people before you know Jesus and i was Christ. like i love this yeah <laughs> this yeah. is great. <laughs> it's so cool you know it's just like a it, was, it blew my mind i'd never experienced that to that point you know yeah. and for me it was it was life-changing as far as a concert mm. now i know that i still love the the club shows and even house shows and stuff like that i love the energy of you know transferring energy in a small environment yeah, yeah. you know rather than yeah. you know the hellfest stage or the you know vakin stage or the download stage these are like you know from you to the barricade is 30 feet yeah and then there's a sea of people so the connection is like you're singing to like a shag rug. <laughs> I've you know never what I mean? heard it put like that before. Now, yeah, yeah, it, I, me either. It just kind of came out, but you're playing to like this. You know, you have to learn how to perform to a an yes. endless ocean. It's not as easy to connect as the small venues. Yeah, because you can't like you know like rah, 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 and then like feed the microphone to the fans yeah. and they can yeah. and they can say rah 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 and you can say rah rah you know it's yeah. not like that no it's not like that Jeez. that must have been a point then when you really actually it must have really sunk in i've made it or at least it felt that way you know i'm trying to put myself back in 2014 when i first experienced that mm. and i don't know if it was that oh here it is i've made it it was just like, whatever this is, I need to maintain this. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, because yeah. the next show, and I'll tell you why, because the next show after that, we played in a small club for like 50 to like 100 people. Oh, man. And, That's a big change. And I, it, it just, you know what I mean? Like a lot of bands do this, you know, mm. they play the, get the big festival, and, you know, 
it's not not every show is going to be a big festival yeah yeah and then you go back you crawl back to your cave of wherever you are in in the status in Mm. the status of music so it was very humbling Mm. to play the next show for a small group of people because in the next show was another festival yeah so you're like up and down and up and down thousands of people in front of us again and then the following show in between those festivals would every show between the festivals brought us back down to like reality. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think that's very important. Whatever your reality is, mm. obviously, you know, black Sabbath's reality became a far different reality than any reality that we've come to know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So their reality is when they're not playing a festival size show, they're playing a festival size show. Mm. so for for them it's just different because of the time period that they came about and the heritage act that they became you know like i will never know what that's like i'm certain that i'll never know that feeling Mm. where every show is sold out and every show you know that was part of that wave yeah so being the wave that is not that wave going back to what we're saying is a little more difficult you're like i don't want to be a throwback vintage that's not all that i want to see with music you know yeah yeah i want to explore more because that's not that was them this is us you know exactly exactly we're on a different path than those bands yeah yeah and that's fine you know i mean you don't see the you know you don't see a lot of the heritage acts passing torches the younger bands every day you know that's no. just not a thing that you see you know i mean sabbath took some cool younger bands out on tour and it helped them out and that was really cool you know but not everyone does that you know no no they usually don't really yeah yeah it's just kind of like well you guys are on your own good luck <laughs> yeah and where there is camaraderie is a very special thing you know because you know the those those you know no one lives forever exactly so you have to do with with your time that you've been given you have to do your very best at creating what you want to create yeah make your own legacy Mm -hmm. we'll flip it around then what would you say is the worst gig experience you've ever had if there is one it's been a while, but we played a gig in front of my parents and my cousins right. and maybe two or three other people. I and mean, it's hard. It's really hard to do. You have to learn how to do that. You really? have to learn how to, you know, crawl before you walk, you know, but it, it's hard. It's, it's nerve wracking. I can play in front of my mom in front of like the Hellfest crowd. No problem. But just playing in front of her with very few where I can see so much empty space in the room and it's just her with your earplugs and, you know, my dad, you know, like, you know, and and just a sparse other group of people. You feel like you're being judged on a level that is. Oh, man. Yeah, actually. It's it's like if there were like 20 or 30 more people in there, there'd be more energy in the room that you can Mm. feel. Like I, it's so hard for me to fake when there's no energy. You know what I mean? Like it's always been difficult for me. And that's when I get the most nervous and uncomfortable is when there's like 
when you can when you can see only a few people and they're just watching you the whole time and you're like oh, yeah. man, there's so much pressure here you know so that one of those gigs would have been the hardest i mean you know we've had gigs where like the, the we kept going and the power got pulled on us and stuff like that really <laughs> i mean that kind of sucks but that's i guess that's how it goes i'm sure there's other hard gigs you know like playing on a gravel hill at like a 45% grade, you know, right. that's tough because the drum kit's sliding downhill, and, you know, you, yeah. and it's, yeah. and it's like, and it's like raining, you know, and there's no cover over your gear, you know, Jesus. that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound like a take the trophy of the worst one. That's tough. I mean, so yeah. there's tough places to, <laughs> play gigs for sure you know yeah yeah jeez i can't remember there being just a an awful gig well that's a good thing i mean i'm sure there are but i've repressed those <laughs> yeah i've repressed those memories yeah i suppose you'd uh that's the thing though with everything you only remember the good you tend to forget the bad very quickly which is good to have that trait. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, would you not agree that you'd rather remember the good stuff than the bad stuff? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You Nobody wants to remember the bad stuff anyway, you know, it'll only play on your mind and drag you down, really. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's been bad gigs, but, you know, I think it, it's it's vastly outshined by the the quality yeah of gigs that we've had that had the fortune to be able to perform in you know mm. yeah i don't think of myself like bands that have been massively rich you know the stones and the beatles and successful like you can't go around thinking that you're going to hit that no no but even those bands have experienced horrendous gigs and can tell you funny stories about them. You know, that time that so-and-so, you know, fell off the stage and did this and caught on fire and, you know, weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's bands with, of all different shapes and sizes. It's all scalable, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, we'll move to the future. What are the future plans for Scorpion Child? Is there anything set in stone? Uh, well, we have <clears throat> we have a show February 26th, which will be our first show back in a few years. And then we have South by Southwest, which we have two um, parties that we play at South by Southwest. And then after that, I'm trying to get into a, you know, a booking queue to get some tours and mm. but i know that everything's just getting rescheduled and some tours have gotten canceled it could be a long time before we get a tour i've accepted that like i'm thinking like a decent tour could be like two years out definitely definitely i was convinced that it was going to be 2022 you know over here everything was cancelled for last year near the end of the year there was a couple of concerts and i was where, where are you in, in ireland, ireland. Uh, southern ireland 
Southern Ireland. Yeah. But uh, I was convinced gigs were going to be going ahead in 2022. And I think there's about five or six massive ones now that have been cancelled so far, which kind of sucks. So I'd say you're right. It's going to be a year, two years at least before it's even near tour time. Yeah. You know, I mean, that makes me sad, but it's, you know, what can I do about it? You know, we can play local and regional stuff until that time comes, I guess. Yeah. Cross that bridge when we come to it, but that's the state of music right now. You know, you just have to keep your head. At least everybody else is in the same boat, you know? Oh yeah. We're not alone for sure. Yeah, fans yeah. have been hitting us up. Come to Liverpool. Come to Belfast. Come to Toronto. Come to Pittsburgh. You know, and you know, I respond to each and every one of them when I can, and and I, I'm like, that would be the dream hmm. to be able to get back there and just reconnect with some people that we've connected with and meet. That's the thing for for me. Like touring is is the experience. It's not just like oh, I get to play a bunch of shows. You know. Yeah, it's the it's whole, the whole thing. experience. It's the food culture, you know. It's like the people that we meet mm-hmm. from country to country, and build these meaningful relationships with. You know, I have lots of meaningful relationships stateside, mm-hmm. and have since I've been able to to go to other countries, I've built meaningful relationships with, you know, people in in, in other parts of the world. And to be able to like rekindle and re- reunite and and then add to those experiences to me is the that's the it's it's not money it's these experiences you know because yeah. I mean I have to pay money to have these experiences you know mm. when all is said and done you know like to have those experiences at least if I can break even it's like a free trip all over the world think about it right yeah so yeah, playing actually. music allows you to see to break even and see things if yeah. nothing else some you come back in the negative some back you some you come back with a little money in your pocket but all in all it's about having these like cultural experiences yeah and to yeah. massage these these various relationships that you've made with people yeah is really important you know i've never thought of it like that actually that's uh sure that's That'd be more valuable than the monetary gain. Oh, it is a hundred percent. Because at the end of life, does it matter if you have a green piece of paper in your pocket? You know, exactly. Exactly. It's the experiences you'll take with you. When you die, it's the pictures that you took and the, and the, and, and what's in your mind, you know, if there's anything left in, that's why I want to die before I, because I mean, I've got Alzheimer's in my genetic oh, man. code. Really? somewhere down the line yeah so i would rather i would rather go before i lose Mm. the memories of life if that makes sense you know yeah yeah i don't think anyone would blame you i'd uh i'd be similar myself now i mean it's a common disease Mm. you know but a lot of people have to you know life keeps you going yeah and your mind deteriorates yeah and then at the end of the day there's like not much you can't even remember your own son or your own daughter and you die, you know, like that's not what I want. (laughs) No, no. It's kind of a, it's a sad existence. Yeah. So I try to write in a journal when I'm on tour and like, I have these like big art books, you know, there's, there's no, 
mm. lines in the book. It's just like blank pages. And I just draw and write my lyrics in these books. Yeah. And I write, you know, what I experience, you know, when I'm out there, who I met, you know, I write these stories. Maybe one day somebody can see that if I forget about it, I can read yeah. about it. That's a great idea, actually. You know, yeah. so there's a psychology in, in maintaining these memories, you know, for long periods of time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll um we'll move on to the last couple of questions now. Everyone gets these questions before to go, I'm afraid. So if you could see any performer from history for one night only in concert, who would it be? Um, well, I mean, you know, maybe Jimi Hendrix or somebody, and yeah. just somebody that yeah. has some sort of mind blowing talent. Yeah. Like yeah, I never to got to see Michael. I never got to see Michael in concert. Hmm. Um, that would, that would be nice. Um, I mean, there's a, yeah, it's tough, you know, I mean, I never got to, see, I never got to see black flag, you know, that. That would have been cool, you know. So of all si shapes and sizes, there's there's concerts. But again, it's like the psychology thing. It's like, have I seen any of those bands? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. some of them I've I've had the chance to see, and maybe it was at a time where their performance might have been in a downturn, or yeah, maybe actually. it was everything that I ever imagined that it would be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah, remember yeah. a couple of years ago, uh, a band from the '90s, like a American, like shoegaze, space rock type band named Failure, mm. reunited, and they played, they played a show at the House of Blues in Houston, and I went with a friend, and I wasn't expecting it to have the impact on me that it did, but they played a magical show. And there was oh, like maybe, I don't know, in the whole house of blues, there was probably 80 people there. Yeah. So you could just move about on the floor and hear, <laughs> hear the band. And, they, and they, they're just like a wall of sound and noise. Jeez. And just, you know, it, it was, for me, it was just like a swirling, beautiful swirl of chaos, you know? So <laughs> it was a mental thing, you know? And, mm. It was just like hearing the record, but like I felt like I, I felt like I morphed into the record. Like I became, like they gave me such an experience that I felt like it was everything. All these emotions just kind of flooded out, yeah. and I became part yeah. of this astral, you know, plane that they were on. You know, and yeah. I feel like that's a big yeah. part of how you translate to your fan base. And then I've seen them in a festival since, and it was a totally different deal. Oh, really? But I think at that time, they played well. It just wasn't the environment. Mm. I feel like at the House of Blues, they had this huge, it was dark in there. They had this huge projection of this movie playing behind them, mm. the movie Fantastic mm. Planet. And it, it was the overall experience. So when a band can hit you on that level, it, where it takes you outside of your own head, yeah, you know you've you've found something special. Then there's not many that can do that, but that's what music is all about, and what I suppose musicians aspire to being able to do that to an audience. Yeah, and that's what it should be about, you know. Like if you never forget 
the foundation on you know where you came from where you stood going back to your first question like what was the first bit of music that really inspired you and yeah you know like if you never forget that moment you know you're you're in it exactly to win it exactly you're you're going to discover new things that are going to maybe remind you of that experience or surpass that experience or they're going to put you into a similar mind frame where you're like, man, I'm not even thinking about, you know, anything else in this world besides connecting what I'm doing right here. Right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, uh, the next one. So if you could be locked in a room for 24 hours with any performer from history, who would it be? Is this like a padded cell? It could be any sort of room you want, but you're in there for 24 hours. And it's not like a writer or a philosopher. It's just a. Well, it's usually musical, but if you prefer, it can be a writer or philosopher. This is a tough question. I've heard that before. Because then it becomes about the, the personality of this person interacting with the per, with your personality might not mesh the same way as their creative output connects with you, you know? Mm. So I fear there being some sort of a a letdown in a way. Yeah. It's that whole never meet your hero. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think of somebody that's like so unpretentious yet so intelligent and so easy to talk to. Um, that's a really tough one. <laughs> I guess I've never thought about that. No one's ever asked me that question, I don't think. You know, honestly, it might be someone like Daryl Hall. Really? He just seems like someone I'd love to talk to. <laughs> right, right. Or Huey Lewis. Yeah, two guys that are known for being really nice guys, or at least to come across that way anyway. But have crazy stories. Yeah, yeah. And have shared shared so many experiences with so many different people people from so many different backgrounds you know yeah yeah but they're like neutral and that they're not like heavy metal guy i mean obviously okay well dio Mm. everyone always tells me man dio would have loved you you guys would have been like two peas in a pod type thing you know really i never met him i never met him huge fan you know Mm. I mean, huge influence on me as far as the rock realm. Yeah. Arguably favorite singer in, in rock. And, you know, someone that I really looked up to, I kind of forgot about him, but a personality nonetheless, where I see interviews of him and, you know, whether he's talking about Richie Blackmore in mm. a negative way or he's talking about how kind somebody was, his opinions, the, the way that he, uh, articulates things yeah yeah i feel like they're right i feel like we would have definitely gotten on with each other <laughs> that'd be you a, know in, in, a way, in a way that maybe daryl hall would be kind of a similar experience i don't know you know just it's hard because there's not any one person but i guess if we're talking about a rock musician probably dio would be somebody that i would most connect with yeah yeah 
It's a good choice. Good choice. Yeah. The, uh, the final one. So if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? A soundtrack to my life. Probably like a punk song. Probably a punk song. <laughs> my lady said probably some <laughs> punk song. Yeah, some, some rudimentary peni or some crass or something. Uh, is any one song, it'd probably be a journey. Really? Like not the band, but it'd probably be a song that is like a journey. You know, uh, like yes. uh, back to Dio, like a, like a, a stargazer type song that takes you on a journey. Mm. You know, lyrically, you know, the fantasy thing is not where I necessarily connect with. You know, yeah, like where you got a bong in your lap and you're, you know, go, you're, you're on some some elves and gnomes and yeah. wizards. Mm. stuff like that but i feel like musically it would be a song like that because that's like think of a more epic song than stargazer yeah true it's true it'd be quite hard pressed like i they had to have accidentally fallen into that one the most the most epic songs that i've ever been a part of writing have been complete accidents really? you know jam stuff like that so i mm. feel like I feel like you'd have to separate the lyrical a persona from the from the persona of the the musical element as well. I feel like those are two separate entities. But both together, I don't know if I could think of a song that really took me yeah as a whole. It wasn't like a guy in a guitar, like a folk song like mm. that Jackson C. Frank guy I was telling you about. I feel like that whole blues run the game album is full of songs that like you feel the guy yeah. musically and lyrically. It'd yeah. be something like that, you know, maybe for the modern generation, like an Elliot Smith type artist. Oh, I get you. I get you. As far as really connecting musically and lyrically with a lot of people, you know, that suffer from the same emotions, I guess. Mm. I guess. Yeah. Um, it's it's something I would have to think about. Yeah, it's kind it's of really a... so broad. It can be listening to Chopin, you know, like <laughs> yeah, you know, listening yeah. to like a Moonlight Sonata type thing, you know, mm. where you're in such a dark, beautiful place. Mm. Yeah, like a yeah. cozy, yeah. warm um arrangement. You know. Mm. Yeah. Have you answered all these questions for yourself? Like, do you know? <laughs> I have, but they they tend to change on a daily basis. That's like okay. I'd be similar to you now. The soundtrack to my life, I'd probably I wouldn't be able to give you an answer at the moment. I think, and uh, to be locked in a room with someone, I'd probably I kind of flip flop, but I tend to always go back to Jim Morrison. But I don't think that would be too healthy. You know, he was an entry. He, you know, there's a lot of like a biopic on him. There's a lot of, uh, you know, documentaries and movies made on yeah. him as a poet and him as this, you know, almost fictional yeah. character that existed, you know. So there's the legend of Jim Morrison that it was a very brief amount of time that he was even like, you know, he could even make his impact. Yeah, exactly. He was a 27 club guy, wasn't he? Yeah, 27. 
So see, you know, when you're 27, when you hit 27, you haven't even begun to, to self-actualize. That's what I'm always thinking. Like these guys that died at 27, you know, they were only at the beginning, you know? Yeah. So how much mystique and fascination that someone up to that age can really bring to the world is, but I mean, then there's the whole, it's better to burn out than to fade away thing. Right. So yeah, that's the other side of it. Maybe his most, the most interesting shit that he ever shat out, you know, these guys up until that age, maybe it was time. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, maybe I'm not saying that he should die, but maybe, you know, maybe that was, that was if you would have lived on that you wouldn't say that you know maybe yeah things would change with him as well or you'd have some revelation like jim carrey you know where i'm not doing funny roles anymore i'm doing serious roles yeah yeah you know? who knows if he had lived maybe nobody would be talking about the doors and him nowadays you know he might have completely faded away and been forgotten that's a really good point mm. Yeah, but I mean, he is a fascinating character. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, yeah, he is. And he was yeah. surrounded by these these rich and famous types, and mm. that you know, prestige. You know, the, these like artists, and you yeah. know, he was he was vouched yeah. for by a lot of these. You know, I have this record. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's a Jimi Hendrix record called mm. "I Woke Up." I woke up this morning and found myself dead. No, actually. And anyway, Jimmy's playing, but Jim Morrison's the singer on that record. Oh, and it's a live show. And Jimmy's playing is just incredible on that record. But it, it catches things in the raw elements. So Jim Morrison from side A to the end of side B just gets progressively more... Um, he gets pr- progressively uh, more inebriated as time goes on. Right. And by the end of the record, he's so drunk, he's screaming his head off. And the music, and Jimmy just plays to that, and the music <laughs> just gets more intense and more intense. Yeah. And you find him in the most raw, like, vulnerable state, where he barely has any voice left because he's screaming. And mm. just it's just pure raw emotion. And sometimes I, when I hear that record, like I wonder what it would be like to be at that show and see that. Because I've seen so many drunken shows where you're watching some punk band and they just get drunk or drunkers mm. that go and their music starts to suffer. Yeah. But with this, it was just Jim, like the, the intriguing figure that he is, mm. getting more and more raw as time goes on yeah but jimmy and holding it together you know all the mitch mitchell and everybody's holding it together and it's interesting to watch him spiral yeah throughout the album and uh it even made me more fascinated i'm like man this (laughs) i don't blame real shit yeah yeah geez there's not many that hold it together like that and actually make it more fascinating and Almost a, a brilliant performance. The worse he got, because Morrison, his slop was just brilliant. Yeah, like he really brought to mind a whole generation of artists 
who, you know, like Sonic Youth, if they weren't sloppy, they wouldn't be interesting. Yeah. To me, at least, I think that their chaos mm. is magical. Like, you know, I could listen to a couple hours of it before turning it off. And, yeah. And it, it, would, it would take me somewhere, depending on what album it is. But, you know, there's certain bands that, like, thrive on, on, you know, that, you know, like, look at how good Nirvana, look at how good Chris Novoselic and, and Dave Grohl were together. Yeah. It didn't matter if Kurt was going off the rails on a crazy train. Yeah, true, actually. They were able to hold it together. They were able to do it. And Kurt wasn't the greatest guitar player, but he was creative enough to get through it. Yeah, yeah. Like Jimi Hendrix, you would never know that he's fucking up and being sloppy because he knows it's like a skateboard. You know, if you know how to roll out of it mm. and make it graceful, yeah, it's almost as if you didn't fall in the first place. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's that's how I look at Jimi Hendrix, and that's how you can look at that performance with Jim Morrison and other performances that we've seen where he's on various drugs. And, mm. You know, the band has to follow Jim going down these paths of Yeah. Could you imagine being in that band though and getting on stage and being like, oh geez, it's not again tonight. You know, when he starts going off on one. Yeah, and then what's his name? The keyboard the Ray Manzarek. Ray Manzarek, and then he goes on to be an X. Yeah, and play on that first X record, like the difference between the drama of Jim Morrison and like Exene, mm. like has to be such an interesting coloration in his career. He's like, yeah. wow. So the Doors, I'm kind of leaving the Doors, but it makes sense for me to go play with some punks, mm. you know, John Doe and you know, decline of Western civilization kind of fit into his mm. musical curriculum, you know, in a way it was, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool to see like that. You know, the '60s, like remember the '60s Stooges mm. versus the early '70s Stooges. Yeah, when they were like a psych rock band almost. <laughs> That's the most interesting Stooges to me is yeah. when they were transitioning and they were showing the world from the Doors and you know the the, the '60s when they were when they were taking the sounds that they were influenced by. In the late sixties, you know, the doors and the Beatles and the Kinks. Fucking yeah. the Kinks. Oh, the Kinks. <laughs> and then going and then going into the seventies and becoming this gritty punk rock and roll yeah, animal type show, you know. What evolution. But that first album with like, you know, I wanna be your dog and you know. There's some really psychedelic moments on that album, which would not have happened without bands like The Doors. Yeah, yeah, true, actually. That's a very good point. And Iggy just, like, kind of did his thing and just made it what it would, into the 70s, what it was, you know? Mm. Yeah. And brought Detroit that sound that bands like the MC5 took to that level. <laughs> just, yeah. you know. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed the last hour or so getting an insight into scorpion child thanks for listening to my caffeinated rants
Do you love music? Music news and guest interviews with artists from all around the world across many different genres? My name's Nolan and I love music. In fact, I love music so much I created a podcast entirely dedicated to it called Every Podcast I Love is Dead. Every week is a brand new episode where I interview musicians, artists, podcasters, radio hosts, and so much more. New episodes are available every Thursday on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, and you can check us out on social media and at everypodcastiloveisdead.com. Hope you can join me. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, rate and review us on iTunes. really helps the show grow. You can find us on social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And be sure to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. We've got three tiers available. If that's something you're interested in, you'll get access to a private Discord. Exclusive uncut video versions of the podcast early access to ad-free versions of the episodes, and much, much more. So, until next time, keep rockin'. Hey! Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.